Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Okay, Bezat Hashem, we're starting today. Heyam with Bet, Bezat Hashem in Mesechet Megillah. And we're going to focus in on what we left off with yesterday. So yesterday we left off, we mentioned that Rebbe did three practices which were somewhat controversial. And one of those three practices was he planted a tree on Purim. So it seemed to be that there was some issue with this, that there was some uh, challenge or issue with this. So we're going to have to figure out today what was the issue and also how it was permitted. That's what we're going to have to go through today, God willing. So we'll go through that, and then at the end, we'll go through a separate section where we'll deal with different cities that were Sveikot, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll see. We'll get, we'll get to that at the end. But let's get started. We're going to begin, which is about six, seven lines from the top of the page on Heya Mudbet, 5b. If you see the first word line I have is Hayechad. Uh, and then it says, You see? So let's see. First, we're going to have to figure out what the issue is. Then we're going to have to figure out what the resolution to that issue is. So let's see. Asks the Gemara, How was Rebbe allowed to plant a tree on Purim? Rabbi Yosef taught. We know in the Megillah, Megillat Esther, it uses three words. It says, Simcha, joy, that Purim is the day of joy. Mishteh, feasting, parties. Ve'yom Tov. Okay. Now, each of these three words teaches us a halacha about Purim. Simcha teaches us that you're not allowed to do eulogies, because that's sad. You're not allowed to do hespid. Mishteh teaches us It's a day of parties, eating, and you're not allowed to have fasting. What does Yom Tov teach us? It's prohibited in doing melacha. Oh, so it's a, it's a pasuk in, in Megillat Esther. It says Yom Tov. Yom Tov, by definition, means Isur melacha like a Yom Tov. So how could, how could Rebbe plant a tree? Now, we're going to have to ask how we could plant a tree or drive to Shul. We'll get to that after. But how could Rebbe plant a tree? Ella, so the Gemara says, oh, I'll tell you how. Rebbe bar Beser Hava. Rebbe lived in an unwalled city that kept Purim on the 14th. Our Beser is 14th. And he planted a tree on the 15th. So it wasn't Purim for him because he was in an unwalled city. Beautiful. So the Gemara says, Aini, is that true? We know Rebbe lived in the city called Teveria. We're going to see Teveria was a port city. It was by the water. And Teveria was walled from the days of Yoshua bin Nun. And therefore, what day would he really read? The 15th. How could he plant on the 15th? Ella. Okay, so flip it. Rebbe bar Sarhava. Really, Rebbe was in a walled city, Teveria, and he read on the 15th. And he planted on the 14th. That's why he was allowed. Says the Gemara that still doesn't answer the question. Is it obvious that Teveria was walled from the days of Yeshua bin Nun? We're about to show that there's an Amorah Chizkiya who seemed to hold that Teveria is a Safik. We don't know if it's walled from the days of Yeshua bin Nun or not. So how could he plant on the 14th then if it's a Safik? Maybe that's the day of Purim. 
But we know Chizkia read the Megillah on the 14th of Adar and the 15th of Adar, because he had a safek, a doubt. If it was walled from the days of Yeshua ben Nun or not. So, how could Rebbe plant on the 14th? Maybe that's the day of Purim in Tiveria. So the Gemara answers, okay, Chizkia may have had a suffix, but Rebbe knew for certain that this is a walled city, meaning he didn't have the same suffix as Chizkia. Now we'll see at the bottom of the sugya here exactly what the issue was, but Rebbe didn't have that suffix. So therefore, Rebbe knew it was a walled city, and therefore he planted on the 14th, because Purim for him was on the 15th in Tiveria. Beautiful. But the Gemara says still that doesn't help. Because even if he knew for certain Purim was on the 15th because it was a walled city, still he should not have been allowed to plant on the 14th. Why? Even if it was obvious to him, Shari, would it have been permitted? But it's written in Megillah Ta'anit. Megillah Ta'anit is a book that was compiled during the Second Temple, during Bayit Sheni, that included in it minor fast days. My, excuse me, minor yomim, yamim tovim, minor holidays. And on these minor holidays, Purim and Chanukah happen to be two of them, the more famous ones, which, which we kept till today, by the way. The Gemara Rosh Hashanah says the other ones we don't keep till today. On these minor uh, holidays, the, it says you're not allowed to fast, you're not allowed to eulogize. That's what it says in the book there. Mm-hmm. Now, in that book, Megillah Ta'anit, it says, Et yom arba'asar ve'et yom chamishasar yomei poriyah inun The days of the 14th and the 15th are the days of Purim Delo lemisbad behon Not to do eulogies on them. So um, the Rava came along, the Amorani said It didn't need to write that in Megillat Tanit Because it already says that clearly in Megillat Esther It already says Purim is the 14th and the 15th So what is being added by Megillah Ta'anit, this book emphasizing the 14th of Adar and 15th of Adar are the days of Purim. Va'amar Rava, so Rava said, Lo Nitzricha, what is it coming to teach us? Elole Esor et Shelzeh Bazeh, is to put the same restrictions of this city on that day and this city on that day. Now what does that mean? Even if you're a 14th type city, an unwalled city, you're still restricted in the things that would be restricted on Purim on the 15th. And, it, and vice versa. That's why it re-emphasizes in Megillah Ta'anit, the 14th and the 15th. It's to create an equivalency. It's to show that even if you're an unwalled city, you have the same restrictions on the 15th. And even if you're a walled city, on the 14th. So says the Gemara, if that's true, how could Rabbi plant a tree on Purim, which is on the 14th, even if he held Purim as the 15th, it's still prohibited. Okay, so this is the question. We're going to have three answers. Let's see. This is true only in regards to eulogies and fasting. But melacha was only prohibited on one day. So this is the first answer. Is that really when it comes to hesped, uh, ta'anit, so even a walled city can't do those on the 14th, that's true. But melacha is only on the day that you keep Purim. Therefore, since Rebbe knew Tiveria was a walled city, he was allowed to plant on the 14th. Not a problem. Any says the Gemara, is that true? Now this question is a little bit of a hard question, but we'll just read how the Rishonim explain. Rav saw a certain person who was planting flax on Purim, and he cursed it, and it didn't grow. So the Gemara assumes he was cursing this guy, 
And what was going on was, Lechura, it seems to be, the Gemara assumes he wasn't planting on the day that the guy was really keeping Purim. It must be he was planting on the other day. So Lechura, you see, is Rabbi, Rav, Rav was saying, you're not even allowed to plant on the other day. So the Gemara says, no, he was planting on the day of Purim, meaning that guy was an unwalled person, and he was planting on the 14th, or he was a walled city, and he was planting on the 15th, so that's not a question. This is the first answer that the reason Rebbe was allowed to plant on Purim is because it was the 14th when he was planting and it was a walled city and, city, and the Isur Melacha is only the on the day of Purim. Purim, not on the other day. Now, this answer so far doesn't help us drive you to Shul on Purim. Right. Because it comes out, you're not allowed to do Melacha according to this answer. So, okay, so for us it's the 14th. We have a problem still. So we have to continue. Let's see. Rabba Breda Rava Amar Rabba Breda Rava says a second answer. Afilu Teima You could even say Rebbe was planting on the day of the 15th. Really, he was planting on the 15th. Meaning, he was planting on the day that he held was Purim. Really, he was. Oh, but we said it's a so you're not allowed to do Melacha. So the Gemara says, Hespid Vita'anit Kibilu Alayu. In the conclusion, when they accepted the Xerot or the Takanot of Purim, they did ultimately accept the Isur of eulogy and fasting, but Melacha lo kibilu alayu. They did not, ultimately, they did not accept the Isur Melacha. Oh, and he proves it from the Psukim in, in Megillat Esther. Because originally in Megillat Esther, the Pasuk says, Simcha umishtevi yom tov. It includes the word yom tov which means Isur Melacha. That's originally in, in, in Megillat Esther. But if you look later, it says, to make these days, it only says days of feasting and joy. It doesn't say V'yom Tov like it originally says in Megillat Esther. Meaning when they finally accept it, it doesn't include the word Yom Tov. All it says is Simcha V'mishteh. So it seems to be in Megillat Esther. Why does it leave out the word Yom Tov in conclusion? Because they ultimately didn't accept that restriction. Who, who did that again? The, the Chachamim. Ultimately, initially when it was proposed, they, they said we're going to have Yisur Melacha. But when it was ultimately accepted, they did not accept Yisur Melacha. Okay, so this helps us a lot. Ve'ilu Yom Tov lokti, but it doesn't write Yom Tov. Ve'ela, so the Gemara says, Rav, my time, why did Rav curse that guy? Rav saw a guy planting in that story, and he was planting a, uh, flax on Purim, and he cursed him. Why would Rav have cursed him if there's no Yisur Melacha, like we're saying in this answer? So the Gemara answers, This was an example of things that are permitted me'ikaradin, but others accepted a minhag to have it prohibited. But in Rebbe's place, they didn't have such a custom. Meaning in Rav's town, even though me'ikaradin, you're allowed to do melacha, they had accepted isur melacha. They accept that we're not going to do Melachan Purim. Somebody came into Rav's town and started to plant. If you're in our city, you have to be Noheg like us. So we cursed him. Even though it's not Meikar Adin, but that's our Minhag. But in Rebbe's town, they didn't accept his Sur Melacha. So therefore, Rebbe planted a tree on Purim. And that's probably why we could drive to Shul on Purim too. Maybe the stomach, that's the idea. Very interesting thing. Very interesting. I just tell you, Tosafot points something out over here is he says, this idea that if somebody accepts an Isur that's not Karadin, uh, it becomes binding. It's only if when they accepted it, they realized that it's not Karadin. It's like a Chumrah or a Minhag. But if they made a mistake, they thought that what they're doing is Karadin, Asur. Right. It's not binding necessarily. Meaning at that point, they made a mistake. 
They just so made they a mistake. Reverse. So you could, exactly. That's a different issue altogether. I mean, it's very interesting. Sometimes people make mistakes. They don't know how to distinguish between ikaradina minhag. People make a mistake sometimes, because whatever, they don't know the details. So that's not necessarily the same thing. But here, it's not meikaradina, it's a minhag. Fine. That's the second answer. So why did he plant? He was allowed to, because meikaradina, you're allowed to plant on Purim. So some accepted the minhag to be to oser, but he didn't. Ve'ibaitema will give a third answer. Le'olam nahug. Really, you could say Rebbe had accepted the Isur melacha as well, and in his town, you're not allowed to do melacha, but his planting was still permitted. Why was his planting permitted? Rebbe planted a tree of simcha. So as we'll see, the Gemara is about to elaborate what this is based on a Mishnah in Mesechet Ta'anit. But the idea is, is that even though Rebbe accepted a Melacha, a planting of simcha or a melacha that, that is a, a joyful melacha, that would still be mutar because since the, the spirit of the day of Purim is simcha, simcha. so a, a planting that's of simcha would be permitted. Now what's a planting of simcha? The Gemara is about to illustrate. So this is a Mishnah in Masechetanit, actually in Kenyan Masechet we're holding right here, exactly here. Unbelievable. Amash here. We did this Mishnah yesterday, literally. I mean, we're going to do it tonight. So the Mishnah says, it's a Yedbetim Udbet, the Masechetanit. The Mishnah there says that if at a certain a certain point in the in the winter you needed rain, and they would the Chazal would decree 13 fast days if there was no rain, which was to do Teshuvah, so there should be rain. If Hashem still didn't send us rain, so then it says they would act in a way that showed that they recognized Hashem was like upset at them. They were like pushed away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So they would do things to show sadness. And what does it say there? Ditanan. Ditanan, like the Mishnah there says in Mesechet Ha'anit, Havru Elu, if these 13 fast days pass, and they're still not answered, meaning there's no rain, so then they would decrease in business. Meaning to show their sadness, they would decrease in business. They would decrease in building and planting. As well as in getting married. They would decrease. They would decrease these things, diminish these things to show sadness. And the Brayta explains, what is the building and planting that you would decrease? The decrease in building that we're talking about is a building of simcha, which we'll explain in a minute what that is. But they would decrease in that because that was a joyful thing and this was not a joyful time anymore. Netia, planting, is netia shel simcha. Refers to plantings of simcha. And the, and the Baraita elaborates. Ezehu binyan shel simcha. What is a building of simcha? Zeabone beit chatnut lebno. Somebody who builds a wedding hall for his son. So Rashi explains is that it used to be when a man would marry off his first son, he would build a wedding hall for the chuppah. And then also perhaps the son would live in there after the marriage. But this was a joyful thing. So at a sad time of the year like that, when they were doing Teshuvah, they would not build those things. Fine. And what is a planting of Simcha? Somebody who plants the leafy trees of kings. So Rashi explains when the kings used to eat outside in the summer, it was hot, they used to take these big leafy uh, plants and cover like a lattice work, like some sort of a wooden structure, and they would eat in the shade. So these are Trees that provide leaves with great shade. That's considered a tiyashal simcha, which you're not allowed to plant at that time of the year. But Rebbe was allowed to plant that because that's not an issue of melacha as it's within the spirit of the day. Okay, good. So now, practically speaking, I assume we follow the second answer of the Gemara because 
The first answer says that there was an Isur Melacha, it was on, he just planted on the other day. Right, that's what we're saying over here. The third answer is saying there is an Isur Melacha, it's just it was of Simcha. The middle answer says there's no Isur Melacha. Unless we say that the Melacha we do is also of Simcha, so therefore it goes with a third answer too. But anyways, that's we have to look in the Halacha, how it comes out, very interesting, practically. Let's continue, let's go a little bit ahead here. Okay, Gufa. Now we had quoted this earlier. The, we said Chizkia was Mesupak. He was in doubt as to the status of Teveria. Okay, what is the status of Teveria? Was it was walled from, from the days of Yeshua or not? So Gufa. Chizkia kari b'Teveria bar Beser v'chamesar. He used to read the Megillah on the 14th and 15th in Teveria. Mesaf because he had a safek. Imukefet choma miyemot Yeshua benunhi ilo. If it was walled or not. So the Gemara says, Is there really a safek about Teveria? We know the Pasuk tells us in Yoshua. This is regarding the inheritance of Naphtali. When it talks about dividing up the land to the different Shvatim. So with Naphtali, with their tribe, it says the following cities were included. It says, The fortified cities. Now that means the walled cities. So these are walled cities. Hatsadim, Tsar, Vechamat, Reket, Vekineret. Now these are the words that the Sukim use to describe walled cities in the area of Shevet Naphtali. Vekaimalan, and we Paskin, which we'll get to tomorrow on Vav Mudalif. Reket zu Teveria. Reket actually refers to the city we know as Teveria. So what do you see? Clearly, Teveria was walled from the days of Yeshua ben Nun. The Pasuk calls it a walled city from the days of Yeshua ben Nun. So what was Chizkiah's Safek? Gemara answers, it was a unique type of wall. This was the reason the Yamavat. It wasn't a normal walled city. The city of Teveria, one side was a seawall. It didn't have a normal structure of a wall, but one side was the sea. Now, it, it is a bit like a wall, but also it's not exactly like a wall. So we'll see in a moment what the issue is. But the Gemara says, but if one side was not walled and it was just a sea, but then what was the safek? For sure, it's not a walled city. Because it's for sure not a walled city. Like we learned in Abraita, and this is based on Sukim and Bahar, when it describes the difference between walled cities and unwalled cities. Really in the Torah, when it talks about uh, versus when you sell property in Eretz Yisrael, it makes a difference if it's property in a walled city, in Halakha, or if it's property in unwalled cities. In Halakha, there's distinctions. And the Psukim say, Rashi learns, it's actually in regards to the Batei Chatzerot. It says, Asher lo choma. Rashi learns, the uh, Psukim say, Asher lo choma, excuse me, by the walled cities, it says that it has a wall, what does it mean? So it teaches us that in order to constitute a walled city, it has to be that there's a wall surrounding the houses, but not, as Rashi explains here, the houses, it's a little bit, in my mind, like townhouses. Not that it's built in a way that the backs of the houses are connected and they form a wall. Meaning it has to be that there's the houses and there's a wall around it. Not that the houses are connected and the backs of the houses form a wall. That's not a walled city. But that's not the point here. But saviv, what does it mean around it? 
There has to be a wall around it, and we learn from that that it excludes Tiveria, that its sea is its wall. That's not considered a walled city. So there's a Nefurasha Drashan in the Torah that teaches us it's not considered a walled city if, it has, if it's Tiveria because the sea is its wall, and that's not a wall. So asks the Gemara, the same way in regards to sales, it's not a walled city. In Megillah, it shouldn't be a walled city either. So why was Chizkiya thinking to read on the 15th altogether? That's the question. The Gemara answers, perhaps there's a difference in halacha between sales and Megillah reading. What's the difference? Regarding houses in walled cities, there's no safek. It's not a walled city. But regarding reading Megillah, there is a safek. Because when we talk about unwalled and walled regarding Mikra Megillah, it's a safik as to what is the definitive difference. My prazimu, my mukafin. What is considered unwalled or scattered houses, cities, and what's considered walled? Is it because the unwalled cities are revealed? They're uh, open. And the walled cities are not revealed. So then you'll say, well, if the sea is its wall, it's also revealed. So therefore you should read on the... 14th, 14th, meaning is the difference it's revealed or not? And if the sea is a wall, it is still revealed. You could still see in. So, so therefore you should read, so, so it's not a walled city. Again, we're trying to figure out what is the criteria to determine walled and unwalled for Mikramigila. If the, the criteria is if it's revealed or not, means if it's open or not, well, if there's a sea on one side, it's revealed. And since it's revealed, oh, it's, it's an unwalled city, right, right. Odilmor, perhaps, Mishum Dahani Mignu Bahani Lo Mignu. Maybe it's a difference of protection. The definition of a walled city from Ikramigila versus not walled, is it protected or not? Now having a sea is protection. It actually is protection because you can see the enemies coming from afar. They can't just ambush you. It's a, it's already considered protected. So then you'd say vahanami megnia, and that is considered protected. So therefore, That's why chizkiya had such a suffix. Is the definition being open, or is the definition being protected? And therefore, you read on the fourteenth and the fifteenth. Even though in regards to sales, it's clearly not going to be considered a walled city. Let's finish up with the last section here. Rav Asi, Kari Megillah, Buhutzal, Barbeser, Vachameser. So the Gemara tells about other cities. Now, Rav Asi read Megillah in Hutzal on the 14th and the 15th. Again, he had a safek. Was this walled from the days of Yeshua ben Nun or not? Some say, Om Rav Asi, Hai Hutzal, the Beit Binyamin. This Hutzal of the place of Binyamin, Mukhevet Choma, Miyamot Yeshua, it was walled from the days of Yeshua ben Nun, and he would read on the 15th. Let's just finish this last point here. We're going to finish off with a statement of Rabbi Yochanan, and then tomorrow we're going to challenge this statement. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Ki avina talya, when I was young, amina milta lasavia, I said something that I asked an elder, an old man, and turning to Vav kavati, and I found that he, he supported me, he agreed with me. Now we're going to see actually what he's about to say is refuted tomorrow. This is not how we're going to come out. But Rabbi Yochanan said like this, we said a couple of cities in that area of Naftali, in the Shevet Naftali. So he's going to explain what these cities are, and tomorrow we're going to say that that can't be, as, as we already mentioned, actually. Let's see. So he said like this, Hamat, what's that? Zutiveria. Exactly. Hamat, the city of Hamat that's listed in the Psukim, Zutiveria. That refers to the city of Tiveria. Why is it called Hamat? Tiveria has hot springs. Cham is hot. Because in Tiveria it has hot springs. So Hamat 
is hot springs. That's why it's called Chamat, but really it's Tiveria. Fine. Reket Zutzipori. Reket is the city of Tzipori. Reket. Why is it called Reket? Because it's elevated like the banks of a river. Banks of a river are a higher point, the edge of the river. It's higher. So this city, which we call Reket, is really Tzipori. It's just called Reket because of the characteristic that it's an elevated area, a high-lying area. Kineret, what is Kineret? Zuginosar. It refers to the city that we know as Ginosar. Kineret. Why is it called Kineret? Kineret means a harp or a lyre, a lyre. It's, it's a, a, a string instrument. Demetiki peira kekala de kinri. Because its fruits are sweet like the sound of a harp. So this city, Kineret, is really Ginosar. And this city has fruits that are so sweet. The Gemara talks about in Brachot, actually, how these fruits are so sweet, people would become like intoxicated, like drunk by eating these fruits. The Gemara talks about it. It's unbelievable. Wow. They have such sweet, delicious fruits. That's why it was called uh, Kineret. It was called sweet, like the fruits of, like the sounds of a harp. And we're going to stop here, but tomorrow we're going to see that Rav is about to show this definition of the cities can't be right. It can't be right. And that's probably why Rabbi Yochanan said when I was young I said this. Meaning it sounds like this is not necessarily true. I will stop here at the top of Vav Mudal. Thank you. Thank you so much.